Chapter Twenty of The Lone Ranger Rides. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lone Ranger Rides by Fran Stryker. Chapter Twenty, Red Oak. Red Oak as a town was badly misnamed. It was utterly devoid of the implied qualities of sturdiness, solidity, or well-proportioned size. A far more appropriate name might have been chosen. Something, perhaps, like the night-blooming Sirius, or the cloyingly sweet nicotine that sleeps all day and spreads its glory of white petals and sweet odors through the night. But that would be slanderous to the blossoms. Red Oak slept all day behind the drab, sun-bleached, false-front buildings on both sides of the only road. In rainy weather, fattening sows and lame-old mongrel curs would wallow side by side in mud-holes made reeking by manure and garbage. When it was hot, the dust was equally intolerable. The men of town, men who ran or worked in the resorts all night and slept all day, were tallow-faced and gave the impression of having lived beneath a log or rock or in a woodwork crack. The women by day were sallow, wan, unhappy, and consumptive. Their nocturnal luster was washed out by sunlight, so they remained out of sight until after oil lamps were burning to flatter them and help them sell their wares. Red Oak's only reason for existence was to serve as an oasis for the men from countless miles of surrounding ranch and range land, and after dark she served and served and served. Proprietors understood their patrons and catered cunningly to their demands for reckless, dangerous sport. They offered varying risks, from loss of cash, through loss of health and reputation, to loss of life itself. Young cowhands in their teens fraternized with gamblers and killers, each calling for the drink he could afford. Easy women, whose garnish imitation jewelry reflected the glitter of lights through the nebulous tobacco smoke, flaunted their soft hips freely before eyes that were accustomed to long-horned cattle and hard fists of men. For those whose recklessness in younger years had dulled their desire for women, there was gambling and drinking to suit any taste or pocketbook. Bets could be made in thousands, and covered. On the other hand, loose change would buy an evening. There was a jail, a one-room flimsy structure, designed to hold obnoxious drunks whose cash was spent. Slim Peasley was the turnkey. The office was one that would have been beyond his scope if he had tried to fulfill the duties of a deputy sheriff, but Slim didn't. He shuffled about town, his heavy badge weighing down his dirty, limp shirt, cadging a drink where he could and prying his long nose like a chisel into things that were none of his concern, while he closed his eyes to flagrant violations of civil, moral, and spiritual law. Slim seemed to have no chin at all. His chest was in a hollow made by rounded shoulders. In profile, the most striking things about him were his nose and Adam's apple. He had a close resemblance to a question mark. 
his stretched suspenders let his pants drop low, and his shirt and underwear were generally apart at his stomach, so that he could scratch. There seemed always to be some part of Slim's anatomy that needed scratching, and the degree of his absorption in whatever he might be looking at could be measured by the part he scratched. It was Slim Peasley who had locked Mort Cavendish up. Bryant had turned his nephew over to the deputy at nine o'clock, before the evening in Red Oak got really started. Slim had actually looked frightened when he found he'd have to guard a sober man until the sheriff came from the county seat to take over. When Bryant placed the charge of murder against his nephew, Slim grew pale. Only stern Bryant's blustered threats made Slim accept the responsibility as the lesser danger. Then Bryant had limped his way along the street, cursing the trollops who accosted him. He had entered the hotel and rented a room in the rear of the first floor so that he wouldn't have to torture himself needlessly with stairs. He was asleep when the evening reached a peak at midnight. At midnight, or shortly after, the Lone Ranger reached the outskirts of Red Oak, not far from the center of the town. He turned off the trail and guided Silver to the rear of the row of buildings on one side. He felt considerably rested after dozing in the saddle during the ride from the Gap, and ready for whatever might be ahead. His original intention to talk with Bryant Cavendish had not been changed by the confession of his prisoner who had escaped. In the shadow of the buildings he dismounted and left Silver to proceed on foot. Coming to the back of the hotel, he turned and passed through the space between the buildings. At one end of the porch he halted. A man was coming along the road. The Lone Ranger held cupped hands close to his face, as if in the act of lighting a pipe. The gesture, together with his forward-tilted hat, served to conceal the fact that he was masked. He had to be extremely careful in Red Oak. There were people there in the town who had known him as a Texas Ranger. He had hoped that the clerk in the Red Oak Hotel would be a stranger, and that with his mask removed and his face somewhat concealed by dust, he could inquire as to the location of Bryant's room. He was, however, spared this trouble. Between his fingers he saw the overdressed man who passed him mount the steps and enter the hotel lobby. There was something about the man that was vaguely familiar, yet the Lone Ranger was sure he never had seen him before. He heard the high-heeled, beautifully shined boots clatter on the floor to the accompaniment of jingling spurs. He could see through the door at an oblique angle. He heard the stranger ask about Bryant Cavendish. "'Room ten, the clerk said curtly. "'And he left strict orders that he wasn't to be pestered.' "'That's too bad,' replied the other, "'because I'm going to disturb him plenty right now.' The clerk tried to argue, but got nowhere. "'Room ten, marked the Lone Ranger. He left his post beside the porch and hastened to the rear of the building. A dark window from room ten was opened wide. 
the masked man crouched beneath it as he heard an insistent pounding on the door bryant cavendish groaned first in sleep and then in waking what the hell he grumbled the bed creaked then the rapping on the door again go away snapped bryant i'm sleepin'. open the door replied a muffled voice who is it and what do you want wally that accounted for the familiarity in the man's face wally cavendish who had a resemblance in the eyes and forehead to both vince and jeb a matchlight flickered in the room and then the steadier light of a candle the lone ranger risked discovery to peer over the edge of the window he saw bryant shirtless sitting on the edge of the bed rubbing his eyes sleepily the man muttered something beneath his breath then rose and steadied himself by gripping the edge of a table i'm coming he called wait a minute the old man had to resume his seat on the bed and rub his knees again he stood and this time managed to get to the door and slip the bolt the lone ranger felt guilty at his eavesdropping yet he felt that he was justified in gathering what facts he could in any way that he could get them the game he played had life itself at the stake and the odds were against him to begin with wallie entered the bedroom with a swaggering manner and closed the door behind him you're stayin in red oak all night eh he asked did you wake me up to ask that snarled bryant what the hell does it look like i'm doin it's too hard a trip for me to go back home i'll go back in the mornin that's not what i came for uncle bryant said wallie hastily don't jump me so till i finish well i found a woman that'll look after the kids huh i didn't think you could tend to a job as complete as that when'll she come to the basin that's just it replied the fop hesitantly i i tried to talk her into going there but she wouldn't she said that she'd look after him if we paid her of course and if we brought the kids here to live with her i knowed it well find someone else find someone that'll come to the basin wallie shook his head slowly i don't know as i can it ain't easy to find a woman around here that'd take good care of the youngsters while bryant appeared to ponder this wallie went on quickly i thought maybe penelope could come along with him for a few days till mrs hastings gets sort of acquainted with him wouldn't that be a good way maybe so good enough then uncle bryant i didn't want to do nothing till i talked to you about it i won't bother you no more now i'm sorry to disturb you but i figured on riding back home with the rest of the boys and i wanted to get your okay on this mrs hastings so i could tell penelope you through talking now wallie rose reckon so you'll be coming back on the buckboard won't you 
How else could I get home? Didn't I fetch the buckboard? That's right, Uncle Bryant. I'm sorry not to have thought it out. Now get the hell out of here and let me get some sleep. Still, Wally didn't go. He shifted his weight uneasily from one foot to the other. There, there's something else I want to say, he fumbled. I, I don't want you to get sore about it. Well? I thought it was a right smart scheme of yours, the way you handled Mort. Mort killed his wife, didn't he? That's right, Uncle Bryant. I wouldn't let that squirt called Yuma know I turned Mort over to the law. He'd figure I'd done it on account of being scared of him. I wouldn't give him the satisfaction of knowing Mort was jailed for murder. Wallie grinned synthetically. His whole manner before Bryant Cavendish was one of cowering subjugation, of fawning in a way that must have been revolting to the hard old man. You done just right, he said. I'd never a thought of it, Uncle Bryant. You jailed Mort, and that took care of the legal angles. Of course you couldn't be expected to let him be swung from a rope. Bryant looked up sharply. No one'll ever know how he busted out. Fact is, he might have broken out in that jail without no outside help. He's out? exclaimed Bryant. Wally nodded, a look of surprise on his face. Didn't you know it? No, I didn't know it. I've been sleeping here. How in the devil would I know? Gosh, then he must have gotten out without no help, unless he bribed Slim Peasley. Where is he now? I don't know. I just heard a while ago in one of the saloons that he was loose. Peasley acted real upset about it. Surprisingly, Bryant made no further comment. Wally waited a moment longer, then turned and opened the door. "'Good night, Uncle Bryant,' he said. Bryant said nothing. The door closed, and the old man sat there for fully five minutes, muttering unintelligibly. Then he rose and would have blown out the candle, but he was halted by a voice from the window. "'Stay right where you are, and don't yell.' The Lone Ranger stepped easily over the low window-sill and into the room, as Bryant Cavendish turned. End of chapter 20